Today's episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, your one-stop location for all your gaming needs. Located in Lehigh City, Utah, their fun and friendly staff will be more than happy to answer any of your gaming needs. Just remember, Gamers Inn, it's where adventures begin. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Alright everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we're here with Jason and Merle, the, uh, the geniuses uh, behind Top Secret, which is a new Kickstarter that's out. Well, it's not really new, it's kind of a reinventation of a previous role-playing game, correct? That's correct. The original was called Top Secret, and it was the first espionage role-playing game, published in February 1980. And on the market till 1987, sold 214,000 copies in English-speaking countries around the world, and established Top Secret as the first espionage role-playing game. Nice. Now, and the new one is called Top Secret New World Order, um, and has a pretty happy Kickstarter going on so far. I don't think we're at 214,000 yet, but... No, I mean, it's really awesome. You guys have several days to go. You had an original goal of 12,000. You already hit that, and you're at 86,000 currently, and it looks like it just keeps going. Well, we were uh, really lucky. We hit the uh, we hit our goal in the first half hour, and, um, you know, I think we've had about 1,200 people so far. So, you know, as Merle said, there were 214,000 people the first time, but that was over a few years and I think we've got time to catch up. Yeah. Well, and- I'm very I'm also told that the number of backers will increase as we approach our 30th day and we're only on what our 12th day right now. Yeah. So I'm very pleased with the first 12 days results. Well, I I know with Kickstarter a lot of people jump in at the last the last couple days because they're waiting to see if it actually funds the nice thing is you guys have already funded so no matter when anyone jumps in they know they're getting this game yeah and one thing we're doing about our kickstarter it's funny a couple of people have uh said well i want you to do stretch goals or why don't you do more things but this is our first time kickstarting it's not our first time publishing but it's our first time kickstarting and so we wanted to keep it really simple and make sure we didn't promise anything that wasn't already finished so it's all ready to go to the press. We're just, you know, we're doing some updates and letting people know how everything's going. But we're really just, we want to be the responsible ones who uh, everybody says, wow, they delivered when they said they would. Yeah, I'm still I'm still waiting on one that was supposed to deliver, like, last October. So, Ooh. yeah, it happens. Yeah, I've forgotten about a couple of the ones that I've, because uh, I, I back a lot of Kickstarters. And there's a couple where I'm like, oh, wow. Two years ago. Yeah. What's also was encouraging for me 
people said, I want add-ons, I want the hardback rules, which are only available on Kickstarter, or I want additional agent dossier sheets. We're very pleased to sell those as add-ons. Uh, so this is above and beyond the, the first, ten, what was it, six days of Kickstarter. A uh, lot of requests for more, and that was wonderful. Yeah. Now, you guys have a unique name, which kind of disappeared from the face of the earth, and it sounds like it's coming back, but it's TSR, which kind of disappeared for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I should probably talk to that one. Please. Um, so we're a different TSR. Yes. We're a completely new entity. There's no business relationship to the old one. Um, I think most people who followed... Uh, you know, the gaming world, especially going back that far, know that uh, TSR, the original company, was uh, bought by Wizards. Yeah. Um, really what Wizards did is they saved it. I mean, Dungeons & Dragons would have disappeared if it wasn't for Wizards of the Coast. And they, and it was if it wasn't for Peter Atkinson's just, you know, love of the game and his desire to keep this thing alive. So he really was the savior of the, of, of the hobby. Um but they, of course, you know, they're, they do Dungeons & Dragons, they do all their things, they are Wizards of the Coast, and they eventually let the uh, TSR name just lapse. They just weren't using it, and as trademarks go, these things, you know, they abandon after a certain period of time. Yeah. So I got together with some people who were, you know, original TSR folks, including uh, Gary Gygax's sons, Luke and Ernie, um, and other people like Frank Menser and... Uh, well, Merle now, of course, uh, Tim Kask, uh, etc., and uh, Margaret Weiss is on our board of directors. So we have a lot of the people from back then, and I said, well, why don't we do something, do a new company, and let's call it TSR again. So it was really just kind of a lark, like this would be fun to do. Um, and we put out Gygax Magazine for a while, uh, and then, you know, some things caused that to have to stop, but uh, now we're doing doing these things. So it's really an homage. It's kind of honoring the original company, but we're not them you know we're not pretending to be them and we're not connected to the old company we're just sort of honoring the legacy yeah well no i i love that because you know, that's what i grew up with tsr was that was role-playing and you guys are putting out role-playing games and, and i have that name on there so it's just kind of that nostalgia which is a great marketing tool in itself too it is fun i have to admit for me it's just the same thing it would be for you you know it's just like oh would it be neat yeah it's neat but of course you know it's a new logo and all that kind of stuff but still it's got the the the, the nostalgia is a fun little thing to do but now of course we have to build our own reputation we yeah. have to show that we know how to do good stuff otherwise we're just a bunch of jokers <laughs> true but i mean it looks like you're already well on your way to establishing that with top secret and i'm sure you have other plans for the future with other games We've got a pretty cool roadmap coming up after this, you bet. Nice. So, what is it... So, for those that played the old Top Secret, or maybe those that are interested in this new version, what is different about this game than the old one, and what is unique about this that would get new gamers interested in picking it up? Ooh. I know, uh, it's kind of a heavy question. It's, it's not a bad question. It's... Uh... We purposely made the new game so it was not compatible and did not borrow from the original. So okay. it's a fresh game system. Uh, we also... Because uh, it has been 30 years, so it's a whole new set of gamers now. Yeah. That's true. A new generation has come along. The attributes have changed, and instead of being a fixed value, 
they are actually a die, uh, meaning a D4, D6, D8, D10, D12 die for attributes. So that's a way different way of assigning uh, uh, values to things. They also have tradecraft dice and asset dice, again, D4, D6, D8, D10, D12. So there's a system, a gaming engine, that's been designed uh, called the Lucky 13 system. And if you combine your attribute die with a tradecraft die and an asset die, you must meet or beat a 13 to succeed at the tradecraft task. And this is everything from... Um, uh, successfully shooting someone to successfully uh, jumping out of an airplane and landing with a parachute. So a whole new, um, what should we call it, uh, engine for uh, figuring things, if they're successful or not. And that's just one of the big changes that has occurred with this game system. So basically the new system, it, the, the big difference is, that the new system is focused on playing very quickly, you know, not spending a lot of time looking up tables and trying to figure out what it is that you're trying to, to hit to roll. Um, and, but at the same time, keeping all of the realism. So when you get into the book, you'll see things like when we put together the gun charts, we actually calculated based on muzzle velocities. And we looked at the kind of ranges that you could actually hit things with. We took real world things so that it would feel real. But we've tried to keep this thing very fast. And so basically, like Merle was saying, you've just got either a tradecraft task where you're trying to meet or exceed a 13, or if you're actually in a contest with another person, like you're in combat and they're fighting back, or if you're trying to fool them and they're trying to tell if you're, they're being fooled or surveillance, whatever, then, of course, you've got um, opposed roles. Uh, but it's all kept very simple so that you can really learn the game in about five minutes. And we've played it at conventions, etc. Um, in fact, I just ran one on uh, Twitch on a friend's Twitch show on Maze Arcana, and uh, we taught the game at the beginning of the show, and it literally took five minutes for everybody to learn the rules. Oh, uh -huh. that's nice. Less, less crunchy, uh, more elegant. Uh, I will say, after thirty years. We've also introduced modern technology, so you do have uh, a large amount of things like drones and non-lethal weapons and new first aid uh, devices and the telecommunications. Uh, everybody's carrying a cell phone with a camera on it. So technology has had to upgrade from the old uh, Cold War. Now we're in the New World Order, which is the war against terror. Uh, that's a difference in the premise of the world has changed in 30 years. So that's another big whoop for this game system. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think, go ahead. One other thing, if I could. So, um, having Merle as the author means that people who like Merle's work are going to get Merle's work again. You can't, you know, it's, it's there. It's all of the, the fun different devices and tables and intrigue and all of that. Um, but, you know, when the first Top Secret was written, Merle was, uh, when, he, when he started, he was a freshman in, at Iowa State University, and nobody had ever written an espionage role-playing game before. So hopefully, you know, things there's a few things to learn between 1980, <laughs> or actually 1975 and today. Yes, <laughs> including uh, we asked uh, Alan Hammack to be the editor for this work. He was the editor of the original Top Secret. He and I hit it off. 
Over the years, he was my editor and also my supervisor when I worked for TSR. And now we're back to being colleagues again, and I'm still a designer, and he's the editor. So there's some symmetry has occurred there. Uh, shall I mention the raft of our immediate design team, uh, yeah, uh, Jason? Let's uh, give everybody a shout-out. Well, I'm going to uh, tell James Carpio's name. James Carpio is the one that came up with the Lucky 13 combat system, and is working so well, we're looking at future product line using that engine. James Carpio is over there in Massachusetts playing this weekend at, like, Connecticon or whatever they call their convention. Yeah, it's actually in Connecticut at Connecticon. Yep, yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mentioned Jason Elliott. He had something to do with this. He and I have hit it off, and it seems to be working very well for both of us. Um, I will just mention you briefly because you're such a big publisher. Uh, but we, we take a lot of ideas and bounce them off each other. And that's very valuable to hear somebody, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And we bounce things back and forth. Chad Parrish, he's out of the Chicago area. He is a founding member of the Dead Game Society. And he sought me out and wanted to do an interview because Top Secret was no longer available and did an interview and really has been playing the original Top Secret at conventions longer than I have. He's been around playing it so long. Uh, we've asked him to do some writing on this project as well. Yeah, and he I'll wrote the introductory mission. That's correct. Uh, White Queen is the introductory mission in the box. Um, uh, and Tradecraft, I stole a lot of Tradecraft from Chad, so with his permission, uh, he was honored. Uh, also, they have AJ. AJ Davenport uh, helped design the... Uh, administrator screen with all the little tables and charts you need, including the, uh, uh, what is it called, the tension track. It, uh, we talk about the Lucky 13 system. Well, if you fail, sometimes the tension gets worse, and then you move a little marker to the number 14 and 15. Things get more uh, difficult to perform if you fail at the earlier lower numbers. So the tension track is on the administrator screen, and Mr. A.J. McDonald, excuse me, A.J. Davenport is the designer of that uh, screen. So a group of six. I hope I mentioned all six names here. Yeah. Hmm? Oh, that's fantastic. Now, do you find it difficult to work together? Because it sounds like you're spread out all, all over the place. <laughs> I mean, how does that work? We're in four time zones. It's wonderful. Oh, even, even this, better. <laughs> There's this thing called the internet, and we discovered we could use it to communicate across time zones. Time and space are like all brought together in one place at one time. I'm being facetious because there was no internet 30 years ago. Oh, no, I understand. Uh, so we met at conventions. We meet online. Uh, we zap uh, manuscripts back and forth. Jason keeps uh, changing where the documents are being sent to, I think, so no one could, could catch them and, and reproduce them. Um, and it's not just us six. Uh, we asked for, like, uh, one day we wanted playtesters, the beta group playtesters, and we, what, thought we'd get a dozen playtest groups, and after 117 groups signed up, we had to shut off the uh, request. So this thing's being playtested coast-to-coast, and possibly overseas uh, by Internet. 
before it goes to press. So I'm very pleased with the design team, which extends to uh, game masters, administrators, all across the United States, if not the world. Yeah. Now, did you find, uh, with all the beta testers, a lot of suggestions or concerns they have really valid or were... Oh, yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. I mean, the, here's the cool thing about a, a game like Top Secret when you're doing a modern espionage game. A lot of our players have got specialized knowledge of their own. Um, we've got um, Paraj, who is a bio uh, engineer of some sort. I had a forensic, forensic pathologist, I think Thank he is. You. He's a forensic pathologist, exactly. <laughs> um, we've got guys who are... Who, who, who have been uh, special forces. We've got guys who have done... One one of our players did nuclear, did security with the Nuclear Commission at the UN. Yeah. They know more than we do, and so, uh, you know, about some of their specialized things, so they really come in on that. Um, and then other things, just people have great mechanic suggestions. You know, really, you need to test something a lot and kind of work out the kinks and be willing to listen because there's great ideas out there. That's fantastic. I like that. Uh, it seems like a lot of gaming companies are doing that. I know Wizards did that for their fifth edition, and they really yeah. took the input. And it shows. Yeah, because it shows. That's why Five E was so good because they tested it so much. Yeah, uh, fourth edition. Oh yeah, but I think when companies do that, they come out with a much better game because gamers do know see things. They like this is broken. They explain how it could be fixed. They give suggestions instead of just saying this sucks. This is crap. They, they say, no, hey. Well, sometimes they say that, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're right. But more often than not, they're willing to offer a suggestion or their yeah. insight how it can be fixed. Well, it's funny because, you know, not, obviously not everybody has, you know, the same things to suggest. And some suggestions don't go through. Mm -hmm. I mean, a couple of people early on had said, oh, gee, I don't know if I want to do the dice-stepping approach. Can't I just have percentile dice for everything? Uh -huh. um, but, but this was but this was before they played it. They just like looked at the rules and said that. And then, of course, after a couple playtest sessions, they were like, I'm sorry, it was super fast, and I like it. Mm. <laughs> so. Nice. It's it's always fun when you have a fast-paced game. You know, yeah. There are some systems out there that take a while, and you know it, it can be grueling. But when you have something fast and easy, it, it just makes the play experience so much more fun, at least in my opinion. Now, it's not a story game. I don't want to give the impression that, you know, we're doing something like Fiasco or whatever. It's not, uh, you know, the, the rules The rules matter. The Well, not that the rules don't matter in Fiasco, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the, the die rules matter. You know, the, 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 we're not going to, you can't do anything just because it's a good narrative. Um, but at the same time, it is a very fast-paced game. And, uh like I said, it's one you can pick up really quickly, which I, I, I love. I love being able to teach it to somebody without having to make them, you know, sit through an hour-long lecture from me. <laughs> so, we've got about 18 days to go. Uh -huh. uh, it is funded. There are several packages that you guys, or pledges that you had that sold out, which is fantastic. Uh -huh. But there's still more opportunities even at $10, you can get the game ready to go. You just don't get the bonus get stuff. You sort of entry pass with the PDF. Yeah. Uh, you get the rule book and the missions. The next step up, I'm even amazed at this. I mean, we jumped to 50 bucks, but you get the PDF, rule book, the missions, 
print copy of the core, core rule book, four player mat, I mean, vehicle sheets, it just keeps going. It's like, it's, you know, for D&D, you go, you pay, you pay 50 bucks, you get one book. You're getting a whole game here, which is fantastic for the same price. Yeah. Top Secret's always been a box set, and it was really important to us that we do a box set and put good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been working in uh, print for a long time, so I kind of know how to find how to find good manufacturers and, and, and get good deals. So we were able to put things in, like even a re- the GM screen is so nice. We call it the administrator screen, but you know it's a nice horizontal three panel fold, really thick, like the same as you get from Wizards, right? Yeah. Um, it, I'm I'm super happy with the quality of the stuff. We've already been sent, you know, pre-production samples, and. We did put a lot in there because it just it makes it fun. It's it's, it's cool to get a big heavy three pound box and you know get all that cool stuff for fifty bucks. Yeah. So we figured let's do it. That's awesome. So this is going to fund, and everyone can expect it by November. That is the plan. Yes. So i give you the details if you care, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for those that are thinking, hey, what can I get someone for Christmas? Hey, this might Ooh. be the thing. Well, I want to talk to that one. All this, right. This is probably important that I do say the details, because the way that the plan is working, if you wanted to buy this as a Christmas gift, it's probably going to be okay, but I don't want anybody to do it with the expectation that, it, that this is coming from, you know, Hasbro or somebody and it's all perfect and it absolutely will be there and then they get mad at me when Santa Claus doesn't show up. Mm. So okay. I'm, going to give, I'm going to give the exact details. I'm going to be really transparent about this. So when this Kickstarter ends, um, we will be uh, sending it to the printer about two, a little over two weeks after that because we have to get the money from Kickstarter. You know, it takes them a little while to send it. And then based on the schedule we've got from the printers, it takes them, I think, you know, eight to ten weeks to print. And then it comes on the ship, comes to our fulfillment house in Florida, and then they send it out to everybody, United States and worldwide. So when we, when we calculated all of that, what we saw was that we would be sending things out in um, – oops, I'm sorry for the beeps. No, you're fine. All right, sorry about that. Um, so we calculated that we would be sending everything out early in November, and so figure you'll pro- people will probably see it you know, mid-November, maybe the third week or so, something like that. That's what we know. But things can happen. You know, maybe, maybe there's a strike in China. Maybe the ship gets lost on its way to Florida. You know, I, things we can't control. So I don't want to um, over-promise, but I do want to say that's exactly how it's working and based on everything we know everything that's in our control, people should be seeing their stuff in mid to late November. Fair enough. I mean... Things... I, just like, I like to be fair. I, I, I don't like to, you know, blow smoke or make false promises. Yeah. I want to tell the, you know, what things are really like. And things can happen. I understood. But it is a good... You know, it. I love getting games for Christmas. I mean, it's just... It's fantastic. You know, you wake up that morning, you crack open the box, you play... Um, so it's always a fun it's a thing. Heavy box. I like that it's a heavy box. That makes me happy. Yes, that's <laughs> a, a great thing. So, with that said, I'm just going to encourage everyone to run out and pick up this. You know, fun, help fund the game. It's already funded. Uh, contribute. Get an awesome game out of the deal. I mean, 
we all love J- you know James Bond movies, Jason Bourne. This I mean this fits right in that. It sounds like for any of those type oh, of movie lovers. It's a great way to play that type of a setting. Yeah. In fact, we're trying to write uh, we have written the rules for the Killing Machine Jason Bourne fans. Uh, generally our younger uh, audience wants the action and the uh, rules are also written to encompass the thinking strategic uh, uh, planning of a real-life uh, espionage agent uh, or even a John Le Carre character. Um, and, and, of course, James Bond is one of my favorites, so we've got to have the gadgets uh, that he runs around with in the game. Uh, so we're, we're trying to bowl down the middle of the alley and hit most of the pins. So you've got your everything from high-action uh, combat uh, uh, gritty, all the way back to gritty realism, and we call it cinematic to gritty approach. Um, and uh, you might have your own home version that uh, you want to play Mission Impossible or Maxwell Smart. Well, these rules should allow you to do that uh, if you if you wish to. So that's the that's the fun part of designing the game system. Yeah, we really want to support people playing the way that they want to. Even in the book, there's some. Uh, things that talk about how we converted things from the real world to the game so players can do it too because we include you know plenty of cars and guns and all that cool stuff but not every gun not every car so if somebody says well i've got a 76 camaro and i know the specs on it in the real world well we have a little guide for how to turn that into something in the game so people can really make it their own wow i love the fact that you said there's a way to be able to play get smart in this game. I love that TV show. Movie was pretty good, but oh, the TV show was just fantastic. So that would be fun to be able to play a game setting like that. So, Well, it's been my experience that players think their character is James Bond and knows all languages they need to speak and knows how to be a crack shot and drive any vehicle or fly any vehicle he comes across. But that's the way they create their character but they play him like Maxwell Smart. They do dumb things. And, and, and it just is that's the way I see it as a game master. And I, it's hilarious when they uh, mess with each other and uh, uh, do comedic things um, or their equipment fails and they drop their drone 50 floors down inside an elevator shaft. That's funny stuff when you're a game master. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... So it's possible. Some of the failures and successes that so we have this uh, this uh, notion of burst and blowback, um, and burst is exploding die, which I think some gamers will be familiar with that mechanic. Um, and what it's led to is some very fun things in the game. Obviously, there's a lot of fun from the from the big failures, but in the Maxwell Smart vein, I had a player who was trying to sneak onto a cruise ship disguised as a famous French chef. But she forgot to bring any paperwork, or she forgot to have any credentials at all. All she did was wear the outfit, um, which should have been a, a hilarious failure. But she had so many burst rolls on a, on a D10 that eventually we just said, you know what? Somehow you've managed to actually fool these people. And she spent the next couple of hours being mobbed by admiring fans because she succeeded too well. <laughs> That's awesome. Similar. I had a mission where the guys were trying to speak Russians to Russian to Russian guards, and they failed to speak properly. They couldn't speak Russian, and so their their cover is blown. 
and then they insult their uh, uh, Arab uh, uh, guest uh, by giving him gifts before he gives them a gift, uh, totally against, uh, they, they blew it twice in a row, and they wind up in a uh, fight with a uh, camel that's spitting uh, all kinds of horrible things at them, just like... <laughs> In fact, two of the agents, one of the agents gets stuck to a Russian uh, security guard and literally glued together. I mean, it's hilarious stuff. Uh, and that's, that's what the gamers love this comedy, too. They don't plan it, but when it happens, they're just laughing at the, off the table. They're falling off their chairs. It's, it's that funny of stuff can happen. That's just amazing. I love that. I mean, that's the, the great thing about role-playing games is anything can happen. Down to serious action to just funny comedic moments where someone does something stupid. And then, you know, there's events where you just talk about it for years because of how awesome or amazing or just stupid it was at that point in time. <laughs> yes, I've had secret agents try to combine their plastic explosive with the uranium-235 to make dirty bombs. And they irradiate the uh, bad guy's hideout, which can't be approached for another thousand years. So that's it, it was really dramatic. Uh, it just kind of didn't, uh, the mission failed at that point <laughs> because the, the, uh, the location was now irradiated forever. Yeah, no, I, I played a very similar game where these guys, uh, me and a bunch of other players were hunkered down in this base fighting off these, these enemies that were coming in. I can't remember if they were Russians or Nazis or whatever. But one of the guys built a bomb without us knowing. And he, had, he, hooked, he built it with a dead man switch, so if he fell down, it would blow everyone up. Um, not, not really thinking, hey, if he drops dead, the rest of us die too. But he rolled to see if he could build, build a dead man switch. Well, he didn't succeed but he succeeded enough to wire it up so we end up surviving this big attack we live and we're like oh my gosh he's like okay i'm gonna dismantle my bomb and we're all like what <laughs> well be and then he starts dismantling it and because he wired it wrong it blew killed us all we survived <laughs> to be killed by him i love yeah. it yes i do too so That's yeah great but it's fun moments like that. You're just like, okay, all right. And then we talk about it forever. So. Yeah, yep. I know. It's, it's great to have the stories. It is. All right, so it's coming out. Everyone can go jump on board. They know they're getting the game. And you guys, it sounds like you guys have covered every, all your bases. It's just a fantastic game. I'm sure eventually there might be expansions or who knows what with all the craziness that... We're already working on them, and we're actually going to be announcing soon some of the upcoming mission modules. We've been signing some new writers on, so we'll have some news about that in about the next week or so. Cool. That's amazing. Well, everyone, I'm just going to say go get this, you know, jump on Kickstarter, go support, get your game. It's going to be awesome. Uh, support these guys so that they can make more expansions or even more awesome games. And with that said, we're out of here.
Just because the world is without fuel doesn't mean it can't burn. Union Forest has unleashed a dragon upon the world and it's hungry. Henry Morgan has to save his brother and face the dragon. Check out The Shadows Above the Flames, written by our very own Daniel Swanton and published by Immortal Works. You can find your copies on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, or anywhere books are sold. So go get your copy today and find out what happens to Henry and Rick.